This is a Federal News Network podcast. Federal inspectors general are getting closer to gaining the authority to question former federal employees and contractors during investigations. But leading voices within the IG community tell the Senate Homeland Security and Governmental Affairs Committee they'd use testimonial subpoena authority sparingly. The committee is set to vote on several IG reform bills this week. Federal News Network's Jory Heckman covered the hearing and joins me with the details. And Jory, explain exactly what new authorities IGs would get under the legislation being voted on this week. So the committee will vote on a number of IG reform bills, among them the IG Independence and Empowerment Act and the IG Testimonial Subpoena Authority Act. Among these major provisions here, the bills would give IGs the authority to subpoena former federal officials and contractors. Like you said in the lead, this is actually a tool that agency watchdogs have requested from Congress since at least 2015. So this has been a going concern for them. And we heard from Justice Department IG Michael Horowitz, who wears a number of hats in the IG community. He is the former chairman of the Council of the Inspectors General on Integrity and Efficiency, or SIGI. He's also the current chairman of the Pandemic Response Accountability Committee. And he said that this testimonial subpoena authority would have helped him in a number of high-profile DOJ IG investigations and would generally be a really valuable tool for other IGs. Yeah, I can cite example after example in our high-profile cases, but it happens very frequently in our not-so-high-profile cases where individuals simply refuse to appear. Or we've had occasions where people have resigned a few hours before a compelled interview precisely because they want to avoid speaking to us. Who would have thunk that? Wow. That was Justice Department IG Michael Horowitz. That's actually surprising to me that you'd quit your job just to avoid the subpoena there. And Jory, what limits are senators thinking of putting on this subpoena authority? Can you hound someone 50 years later, for example? So it's worth pointing out that there is bipartisan support for this testimonial subpoena authority, but committee ranking member Rob Portman, he suggested language that would limit this authority to about five or six years just because it's a new thing. They don't want to swing the pendulum too far in the other direction here. And he wanted thoughts from the IGs that were testifying and Allison Lerner, who is the National Science Foundation's IG and the current chairwoman of SIGGI, she says that there's already robust safeguards for some other tools that IGs have. They currently have the ability to subpoena documents from their agencies. That was actually also another hard-fought battle for IGs. And she said, for example, at her office, it takes six pairs of eyes to review each document subpoena three investigators, two attorneys, and herself. So this idea that this is something that they would have free reign on is not really a reality. And she said, rather than sunset this authority, put a deadline on this authority, she suggested that either SIGI or GAO would have the ability to recommend after a set point whether Congress would reauthorize this authority. It's taken us 10 years with congressional support to get this far. And we're worried that we could, with a hard and fast sunset, lose that authority. And that's Allison Lerner, National Science Foundation IG, chairwoman of SIGI. We're speaking with Federal News Network's Jory Heckman. And how else would IGs be limited in this testimonial subpoena authority? Because it does sound like pretty sweeping authority. It would be a big new change, but there are a number of safeguards built into this legislation. The bill would create a three-member panel of IGs to review all subpoena requests. Agency IGs would also need support from the DOJ's civil division to enforce these subpoenas if a recipient 
gets the subpoena and decides not to cooperate. Another way of looking at this is that subpoena recipients would have the option of contesting this in court if they disagree that they need to be compelled to provide this testimony. We also heard from Kevin Winters, who leads SICKY's Integrity Committee, and he said that this authority cuts both ways. If IGs were really overusing this, using this in a way that was not intended, uh, he would be able to question current IGs or former IGs if they do decide to leave uh, and investigate them for abuse of authority in this type of situation. And are there any agencies that have subpoena authority for former employees and contractors? And is there any track record of how often they've used it, Jory? Yes, and that's an interesting case study, one in which IGs are hoping to build on here. The Defense Department Office of Inspector General has had this testimonial subpoena authority since 2009, but they've only used this authority in three instances to issue three subpoenas. Horowitz said that the reason why it's been used so sparingly is that the DOD IG office has been able to reach accommodations with witnesses in most cases and has gotten to the point where they can reach those accommodations rather than escalate it to the point of a subpoena. I guess those thumbscrews work pretty good then if they need them. And what else is Congress looking to do about some other issue that has been plaguing the IG community for so long, many years, several administrations, and that is the IG vacancies. They're still not all in place everywhere. Right. Yeah, there would be, as part of this raft of IG reform legislation, there would be incentives for the president to nominate permanent IGs for these positions at agencies. Currently, there are more than a dozen vacancies uh, and some pretty longstanding ones for OPM, the Office of Personnel Management, as well as the Defense Department. There hasn't been a permanent IG there for more than five years for each of those agencies. And these are not small agencies. To have a not permanent watchdog there is is pretty serious. Another thing Congress is working on here is amending the Federal Vacancies Reform Act to prevent a president from filling an acting IG chair with a political appointee from that agency. Siggy has been really concerned about this. They say that the ability to have a political appointee in that acting IG position creates actual and perceived conflicts of interest, and it discourages a president to name a permanent IG. Horowitz, again, he says that this discourages whistleblowers from coming forward as well. Why would a whistleblower go to an agency to complain about senior officials' misconduct if they knew that IG office was overseen by a senior official who would know their identity. And, of course, as we've seen as IGs, the threat of retaliation, the fear of retaliation is with good reason because we've seen whistleblowers retaliate against. And again, Michael Horowitz, the Justice Department IG, among many hats that he wears. And, Jory, when does this vote all take place? So we don't have this yet on the calendar here, but we will expect to see it sometime this week. All right. Federal News Network's Jory Heckman, thanks so much. Thanks, Tom. Be sure to check out his story at federalnewsnetwork.com. Hello, and welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. I am your host, Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA. Today, I'm thrilled to be joined by Vice Admiral Cutler Dawson. Cutler has had an incredible career serving our country for 35 years in the Navy, where he attained the rank of Vice Admiral. During his service, he had numerous assignments afloat and ashore, including Commander, Second Fleet, Striking Fleet Atlantic, and in Washington at the Pentagon and on Capitol Hill, where he was the Navy's Chief of Legislative Affairs. Immediately following his retirement from active duty in 2004, he became the president and CEO of Navy Federal Credit Union, the world's largest credit union, where he served for 14 years. Under his leadership, 
Navy Federal grew from 2 million to 8 million members. Phenomenal. Cutler, welcome and thanks for joining me. Thank you, Shane. You've had a fascinating career across both military and the private sector. Can you tell us a little bit more about your background and your professional journey? Well, I started out at the Naval Academy where I graduated in 1970. And then, as you mentioned, spent 35 years in the Navy um, with uh, six actual actual uh, afloat commands. Uh, the first one was when I was 27 years old. Uh, I didn't know enough to be scared of anything. And it was uh, probably one of the highlights of my career. Um, and then after I retired, after 35 years, I went to uh, work at Navy Federal Credit Union as the CEO, where I spent my next 14 years. Um, I'm, I'm currently retired and enjoying life, and um, it's been a great run for me. How would you describe your leadership style, and how's that developed over the years? My style has been quite con- consistent. Um, I believe, and I've learned this in the Navy, that you have to go to the deck plates uh, to see what is going on. And you have to learn what your people do and how they do it so you can help them to be better at it and more efficient and more productive. Um, It's um, something that you need to do all the time. Um, I remember I used to tell folks that um, you don't want to retreat to your cabin. And what I mean by that is um, the longer you're in a position, the less you think you have to get out and about but that should be the opposite. You should get out and about more because people change, situations change, and you've got to figure out a way to get to them and find out what they're doing and where, what you can do to help them. Uh, I, we'll talk a little bit more about your book, but I read it. Um, From Sea to the C-Suite, fantastic read. You talk about the deck plates in that um, as well. I would encourage everyone to get a copy of this and read some more detail about going to the deck plates. Cutler, who was the most impactful leader in your life and what quality did you admire about them? I had numerous while I was in the Navy, but uh, the quality that, that I enjoyed the most was the leaders that got to know me as an individual and that they cared about me. And I could tell that they cared about me. And they were not only my leaders, but they were my mentors. And um, I remember um, one particular one, Bill Schiffer, when I had my first assignment at the Pentagon, um, I would go in to see him with my problem of the day. And I knew that he had numerous problems of his own, but he would stop and he would focus on me and he would make me feel like I was the most important person in his world. Um, and I, I tried to do that um, throughout my career. But really, it's about caring for your people. Cutler, in reading your book, there was a quote you used that you used to inspire those people that work for you. And it really got my attention. And it was, it was you are the captain of your own ship. I wonder if you can talk a little bit about what that means and how it was useful to you and the leaders you were developing. Um, absolutely. Um, what I mean by captain of your own ship, when you are the captain of a ship, sometimes you're in the middle of the ocean and you don't have anybody to turn to, to make decisions. You don't have anybody to turn to ask, what should I do now? You have to be the captain of that ship. And I, I translated that um, into, let's say, Navy Federal's organization, where I would tell branch managers that I said, you are the captain of the ships of Navy Federal. 
you're the ones that are facing the, the members or customers, as others call them, every day. And you have to make decisions without a lot of guidance in some cases and without a lot of time. So be the captain of your own ship. Step up, uh, make decisions, uh, do what you think is right, and you never can go wrong. I think that is so important. And you have to give your people a little bit of latitude to take some risk as well, because there is risk for them in doing that and risk to your organization. That's right. And and I mentioned that I took command of my first ship uh, with five years in the Navy, and I was 27 years old. Well, my boss had 32 years in the Navy, and um, his his guidance to me when I first met him was, Cutler, you do the right thing, and I'll back you up all the way. What a wonderful way to, to spend an assignment with, uh, with backup and, and guidance like that. What, what great, great advice. Uh, it's clear leadership is a topic you're passionate about. You wrote the book we mentioned before, um, From C to C-Suite. Can you tell us a little bit about that project? Yes. When I was at Navy Federal, I would tell sea stories uh, as parables to get my point across. And um, folks would tell me, Cutler, we like your stories. It gives us a picture of what you're trying to tell us. Now, what else are they going to say? They work for me, but uh, uh, I took it as a compliment, and it was. And my wife encouraged me to write a book, and I needed a co-author to help me. And I found a lady named Taylor Keelan, who was the perfect, perfect co-author. She turned in my stories into wonderful chapters um, that I'm very proud of. Where can listeners find a copy? Well, you can get it on Amazon, uh, and you can also uh, get it on the Naval Institute website. Uh, And I might add that um, any proceeds from the book, Navy Federal uses uh, to give to charity. Fantastic. Cutler, thank you very much. Really enjoyed your time and your lessons in in leadership and sharing with us your life story. And and, uh, I've learned a lot both from talking to you today and reading your book. And thank you very much for your time. It's my pleasure. And I I would like to add one thing if I could, Shane. Um, During my assignments in Washington, D.C., I gained the utmost respect for the civilians that work here every day. They're hardworking, they're dedicated, and they, they have my eternal gratitude. Uh, I got to come and go from the Pentagon. They stayed every day and worked in Washington when I got to go out and um, enjoy being at sea. Perfect. Thank you. Yeah, w- WEPA serves civilian federal employees, but your comment is well taken because the interaction between the two is is continuous, it's nonstop, and it's critical. So uh, the career civil servants, as well as career military, uh, our country would not be where it is today without them. I totally agree. And and I can tell you from the U.S. Navy standpoint, uh, we couldn't operate like we do without them being the backbone of what we do. Thank you very much for your time today, Cutler. And to everyone listening to Lessons in Leadership podcast, we'll see you next time. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus, and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.